Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 478. Hope you're doing well. Um, I didn't plan to record today, meaning like on this exact date being April 20th, but happy 420 to people out there who celebrate it. Uh, If you know, you know, you you probably know. Love you, appreciate you, hope everyone's doing well. Uh, Let's jump in today. We got a lot to talk about, a lot of NFL news, a lot of stuff to kind of prepare for. Um, I want to give you guys a warning now. It's often when I take a lot of time off of the show, it kind of creeps up and it happens and I I don't warn you guys. Um, I know it's been a weird month. Remember, I'm, I'm moving next month, which means, honestly, I'm trying to get everything done early, so I've been moving and taxes and everything. It's been a weird month where I haven't been doing as much for the show because I've been doing stuff to like in my actual life and it being an adult is awful. Um, this is the last time I will talk to you before the draft. My dad's coming into town. I'm going to spend a lot of time with him. Uh, so quarterback breakdowns are coming. It's a weird class and I've made the decision to, I'm going to wait till after the draft, till I know where people are going to make a really deep breakdown of guys and Uh, talking about how they might do in the NFL, because I think that's a massive, massive part of this is like where they go really depends on how well they do and how well they can do. So film breakdowns will be after the draft this year. But here are some brief thoughts on the top quarterbacks before the draft, things you can look at and go, oh, wow, Zach gave us something before the draft came out. I want to start by saying this is not a horrible draft class. Um, It's it's just not true. There is no sexy, obvious option. There's no Josh Allen or Justin Herbert or Kyler Murray, no player that you go, wow, that guy's far and away the best quarterback in this draft class. Totally agree. And I have no idea what order these guys are going to be drafted. It seems like uh, it's all ambiguous. And there's probably no A-plus superstar talented quarterback in this draft class. And that's okay. But there's a lot of B-level talent. There's a lot of guys that – and this is a very – I don't know how – you might get mad at me for saying this. It's very ambiguous, but um, I see a route where all five of the top five quarterbacks in this draft class could be successful if they went to the right spot in the right situation and worked really hard. Like, there's a path for all these guys to work out in the NFL. Um, I just don't know that any of them are going to be Josh Allen or Justin Herbert or even Joe Burrow, like a top five quarterback in the NFL. I just don't think any of these guys are that, and that's okay. They can still be really good contributors. Let's start by talking about Malik Willis out of Liberty. He is really, really physically gifted, but he has a lot to work on. Now, he's also not – I think I, throughout the year, advertised Malik Willis as the Josh Allen of this draft class, the Justin Herbert of this draft class, the guy that would be – really physically talented. You got to teach him how to play, but he's so physically gifted that he could become a top five quarterback. After watching film, I I no longer believe that. Um, He is the most physically talented of these quarterbacks. He's not as big as I would have thought he was. He doesn't run as well as I would have thought he does. He's a big, powerful runner. He's not actually that quick. Uh, His arm is strong, but it's certainly no Josh Allen. It's certainly no, the level of ability to launch that deep ball Really what I'm trying to say is how special Justin Herbert and Josh Allen truly are. Um, He often has poor location on deep balls. He holds onto the ball way too long. There are so many moments where you're like, it's like, dude, throw the ball away. Why are you holding onto the ball so long? He throws interceptions. He takes bad sacks. Um, Malik Willis does not know. He might know now, actually, but during the season, he did not know how to beat a blitz by throwing, meaning you hang in the pocket. They're going to take... Guys out of coverage come after me, the quarterback. I'm going to stand in the pocket, take a hit probably, but find the open man and beat the defense and beat the blitz with a throw against a favorable matchup. He doesn't have that level of processing yet. You got to teach Malik Willis a lot about the quarterback position, and that's okay. If you're a confident coach, you look at his raw physical skill set and go, "I, I like what he can do. I'll teach the guy how to play quarterback. A lot of potential, big arm, powerful runner, but not ready at all, at all. Malik Willis is not ready at all to start in the NFL. Um, It's hard to project how a guy like Malik Willis will do because, like I said, solid tools, but a a ton to learn. And him working in the NFL really depends on where he will go and how hard will he work to become a better quarterback. He's got potential, um, 
Personally, I hope Malik Willis goes to the Pittsburgh Steelers, number 20 overall. He can sit behind Mitchell Trubisky. There's no hurry. He can sit. He can learn. He'll be in a good organization. I think him working with Mike Tomlin would be awesome. And uh, I would not – I want to put this out there. I don't know that I would draft Malik Willis in the top five or even the top ten. I think if you are a team like the Atlanta Falcons, the Carolina Panthers, the Detroit Lions, a team that has a top five or ten pick – you're better off taking someone who can become a quality starter right away rather than someone who's an investment like Malik Willis, who, if he sits for two years, might someday become a starting quarterback. That's a lot of ifs and buts, and I'd rather just take a lineman or a receiver or somebody who can be an impact player from day one. And so um, I, I just, I love Malik Willis's potential, but potential doesn't always work out. So I'm, I'm letting you know now, I would not draft Malik Willis in the top five or ten. Uh, I, I just, if I'm Carolina, Atlanta, or um, Detroit, I would not make the move and get Malik Willis. But uh, I think him going to Pittsburgh, number 20 overall, would be a perfect, perfect move. How about Kenny Pickett, the quarterback out of Pittsburgh? I have great admiration for Kenny Pickett. What he did at Pittsburgh was master the offensive system in place there. He's such a good decision maker. He does not get enough credit at all for the, you know, how well he threw the ball downfield with command. Like, he's got a, a lot stronger arm than people realize. I've heard people compare him to Case Keenum. And we can talk about why that's maybe a little bit right. He's a little bit limited of a quarterback. But, look, he throws the ball very well downfield. And uh, I think, you know, the question is, has Kenny Pickett already reached his ceiling as a player? How much better can he really get? Like, you watch Malik Willis and you go, this guy's nowhere near a finished product. Like, we can teach him a lot and he can really grow and learn as a player. Kenny Pickett's probably really close to about as good as, as he's ever going to get. And I admire that. I respect that. But if you're an NFL general manager, you go, well, he's probably never going to become a top five quarterback in the NFL. So what are we doing here? And I don't know where Kenny Pickett can go that he's a true upgrade. Maybe he's better than Jameis Winston. I, he's better than Drew Locke in Seattle. Uh, I don't think he's better than Marcus Mariota. So, like, you know what I mean? He, he's never – I don't think he's very sexy a draft pick for a lot of general managers because they don't see a lot of potential. They see a guy who's very good, and I think the NFL is kind of getting to a point where they're almost oversaturated in the quarterback market. So um, I will say he's a good athlete. He does not have a noodle arm. If you hear people say, Kenny Pickett's got a weak arm, that's not true. He throws the ball very well downfield. The question is, how much better can he get? I think that's what's going to scare a lot of people off of drafting Kenny Pickett. Desmond Ritter, the quarterback out of Cincinnati. I love this guy as a leader. Um, Here's an impossible scenario, but it would be a perfect situation. If somehow, I don't know how this works out. Maybe he has to fall really far in the draft. The thing is, the Colts need a receiver and a left tackle, and that's what they're going to prioritize in the NFL draft. They got a second, third, and a fourth round pick. They're not wasting a second or third round pick on Desmond Ritter. But if somehow Desmond Ritter can become the backup quarterback behind Matt Ryan in Indianapolis, that would be a perfect scenario. I think their play style is very similar. I think a lot of you can learn from that, from, from Matt Ryan. And I love Desmond Ritter because, similar to Kenny Pickett, he's a really, really great decision maker. There's not a lot of moments where he's making stupid, bad decisions with the football. Like, it just doesn't happen. He, the ball goes to the right person, and it makes, he makes the right read basically every play. I do wish that Desmond Ritter was more accurate. There are not a lot of impressive examples of him throwing deep down the sidelines. And I wonder, can Desmond Ritter actually beat one-on-one coverage downfield along the sidelines? Like, if I was a defensive coordinator playing against Desmond Ritter, I would just play man coverage and make him beat me and say, I I am daring you to beat me along the sidelines. Now, Desmond Ritter will shred and and absolutely destroy man coverage. He's very good at reading defenses and finding windows and finding zones between defenders. But what I didn't see a lot of stuff on film from him, and it it might just be the defenses they played. I'm, I'm not trying to come down hard on Desmond Ritter. I did not see a lot of examples where He's beating man coverage downfield. And that makes me go, interesting, interesting. And if I'm a defensive coordinator, like I said, I am coming after him and saying, we're going to blitz you. We're going to play man coverage. Good luck. Exactly what Kansas City did to Jordan Love last year when they played Green Bay. And so 
Uh, we'll see. H- how good is Desmond Ritter against man coverage? That remains to be seen, in my opinion. I'm excited to watch him in the preseason. Matt Corral is another guy. Matt Corral, the quarterback out of Ole Miss, is a guy that – another guy that I love who is a great leader who – the kind of person I would have wanted to play with when I played football back in the day. Um, he does have weird mechanics, but I would say who cares? Uh, Phillip Rivers historically had very weird mechanics. He threw for over 63,000 yards, so don't come after you know, Matt Corral saying, he's got a weird throwing motion. It doesn't matter. The ball gets there accurately and on time, and that's all that really matters. And by the way, it gets out of his hand very, very quickly. Now, and by the way, Phillip Rivers, sixth all-time leading passer in the NFL. Like, I, it just doesn't matter if you got a weird throwing motion. Matt Corral does two things really well that will help him early on during his career. He's really quick. He runs well. So he's a good runner with a football. He also is very good at running RPO is a run pass option, meaning he puts defenders in uncomfortable situations where if they play the run, he can throw the ball behind him. If they back off and play the pass, he can just hand out the ball and move on with his life. I could see Seattle taking Matt Corral number nine overall. I'm not saying they're going to do that, but I'm saying I could see a world where if I was Seattle, I would go, we could probably win with Matt Corral. We can build an offense around his specific skill set. Design a system around putting defenders in conflict. He's going to run the ball a lot. Honestly, very similar to what Jalen Hurts did last year in Philadelphia. I think that dog will hunt, and I think he would play very well with DK Metcalf. I think Matt Corral might be a a great answer if you're Seattle trying to rebuild your football team. He's very similar character-wise to Russell Wilson. He's way cheaper, monumentally cheaper. You can build a lot around him. I think that Matt Corral is way better than Drew Locke. Um, Seattle... I think should draft Matt Corral and build around him at number nine overall. You can start him day one. You got nothing to lose. And I like Matt Corral a lot. I, uh, I think, but because specifically he can run an RPO system and run the ball with his legs a lot. Um, while he learns to do other stuff at the quarterback position, he can rely on that kind of offense for a while and get by and be successful for a little bit until you can add even more and more nuance to the offense. So I like Matt Corral. And if I'm Seattle, that's what I would probably do, actually, which I, I didn't expect to say that going into the research process, but that's what I found. And I'm like, I, I, honestly, I, I really like that thought. Then you have Sam Howell from North Carolina. What do you do with Sam Howell? I want to see Sam Howell go to Tennessee. What he's really good at is what Ryan Tannehill the current quarterback in Tennessee is not very good at. He is really good at throwing the deep ball, stretching the field vertically. I think if you have a second-round pick in Tennessee, you spend that on Sam Howell, that would be perfect. Um, he played on not a great team last year at North Carolina. That, I think, really hurt him. I like Sam Howell a lot. I think if you gave him a year or two behind Ryan Tannehill, on a rookie contract, by the way, second-round pick, and not paying him that much, eventually... He could surpass Ryan Tannehill. And if I'm the Tennessee Titans, I am not even hesitating to spend a second-round pick to maybe eventually upgrade my quarterback position. It's better than just sticking with Ryan Tannehill blindly. And uh, I, I just really hope Tennessee will draft uh, Sam Howell in the second round of the NFL draft. So there are a bunch of teams that could draft a quarterback. You've got Seattle, Carolina, the Tennessee Titans, Atlanta, Pittsburgh, New Orleans. Uh, I think the Colts could but the Colts, again, need a left tackle and wide receiver first. If they draft a quarterback, it would be in, like, in the fourth round. Maybe they get a guy like Carson Strong. He's a wild card. Uh, Tampa has Tom Brady. I, I don't know that they're ready to use picks yet to try to find his replacement early on in the draft. I think they're going to build around Tom Brady currently. Um, the Lions should build around Jared Goff. Washington just got Carson Wentz. I think if you draft a quarterback in the first two rounds in Washington— you risk offending Carson Wentz. That's not a good move. He's a, He seems very fragile from how he handled things in Philadelphia and Indianapolis, and you got to support him and give him love and make him feel confident if you want him to do well at all. Here's what I want to happen. Here is where I want every quarterback to go. I want Seattle to take Matt Corral, number nine overall. I think it's a great spot for him. I think him and Pete Carroll would get along really well and fit. I want Malik Willis to go to the Pittsburgh Steelers, number 20 overall. I think that's awesome. I don't know how he would get past Carolina and Atlanta. I just don't know that's a good spot for him. I think a good spot for him is Pittsburgh. Play for 
Mike Tomlin sit behind Trubisky for a little bit. I think Atlanta is better off using a draft pick early in the draft on someone who can make them a better team right away and can play day one rather than Malik Willis is going to be a backup for quite a while, I think, while he learns how to play quarterback at the NFL level. The Titans should draft Sam Howell. Uh, Carolina and New Orleans are two teams that, you know, Carolina has Sam Darnold. New Orleans has Jameis Winston. I, I like Marcus Mariota in Atlanta. I don't think they need to replace him right away. I think he's good enough for this year. Just roll with Marcus Mariota, build your football team, see what happens. I think Atlanta has so many problems to deal with. Don't try to tackle the quarterback position this year. Do it next year. Now, the Saints, I think, could draft Kenny Pickett. They got two first-round picks. The Saints drafting Kenny Pickett in the first round makes a lot of sense to me. And then Atlanta or Carolina, that's when you draft a quarterback. If you are, man, it, the early in the second round, Desmond Ritter is available. Desmond Ritter is a good decision-maker. And you're a team in Carolina who, man, Sam Darnold does not appear to be a good decision-maker Desmond Ritter is the opposite of that. I think Desmond Ritter in the second round to Carolina would be a great draft pick. I really like that move. Uh, I don't know if he lasts that long, but keep your eye on that. Uh, I think it's very possible. I, I don't know that Desmond Ritter is going to be drafted early in the first round. We'll see. Um, but I, I like the thought of that, that he's a second-round pick to Carolina um, or, or maybe Atlanta. But I, I would not draft. If I'm Atlanta or Carolina, I'm using my first round over my first overall pick in the draft, my first pick in the first round to build my football team. And uh, I, I like, I think that if Kenny Pickett went to New Orleans with that defense, that offensive line, they draft another receiver, um, potentially that could be a really good fit where if you don't trust Jameis as a decision maker, which they invested him, I think they are going to roll with Jameis Winston. But if you're worried about Jameis as a decision maker, Kenny Pickett's really good with a football and uh, he could work with that defense and win a couple games in New Orleans. So that is what I hope happens at the quarterback position. The wild card here is Carson Strong. He's a later pick who could develop. He was hurt last year. He's got a knee issue. Uh, we're not fully sure how good his knee is going to be this year. If you watch film before the knee falls apart, and credit to Marcus Whitman. Him and I were talking about this. He pointed this out. He's totally right. I saw it on film too. Is that Carson Strong looked really good early on in the year. His knee got worse, and as his knee got worse, his play got worse, which is understandable. He could have been a, a first-round pick if his knee had been healthy all year. And so I would keep an eye on where Carson Strong will go in the NFL draft, probably like a fourth-round pick, probably to Indianapolis. That would be really interesting. I think Carson Strong is a guy who's going to be really, really fun to watch in the preseason and could be much better than what we saw on tape last year during his senior year due to an injury. Okay, uh, there are a lot of fun questions left to be answered during the NFL draft. Here are some fun storylines. Number one is this. I, I warned you guys. I told you. I said, hey, a Debo Samuel trade is on the table. Could very well happen. Came out today, a couple of minutes ago. Uh, apparently, Debo Samuel has officially requested a trade from the 49ers. I think this is a top storyline in the NFL draft. We could see someone make a move and go trade for Debo Samuel and then you know, the same thing we saw with Tyreek Hill. They trade for him. They give him a new contract. And the 49ers get a good player and a draft pick in return for Debo Samuel. I think that's very possible. That's on the table. Another fun storyline. How many quarterbacks are going to get drafted in the first round? And in what order? I think for a long time, I've been anticipating that Malik Willis would be the first quarterback off the draft board. I look at what's possible and I go, I think Matt Corral to Seattle is very compelling. And I... I just think it's a good fit there. I think Malik Willis, even though he's very talented, is a better fit later in the draft with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So how many guys will be drafted in the first round of the quarterback position and in what order? That's very interesting. Can't wait to find out. Will the Jacksonville Jaguars draft Aiden Hutchinson, Aiden Hutchinson, excuse me, number one overall? I don't love that pick. I know that's controversial. Um, I would be tempted even to trade down because he's not Miles Garrett. He's not Von Miller. He's not even Jadavian Clowney when I watch film of Aiden Hutchinson. And everyone believes he's a number one overall pick. I'm told to believe he's the number one pick. And I go, I, I don't, I just, man, I, if I'm using my number one overall pick, I'm getting a guy who's surefire, like incredible. And I, I don't know that's Aiden Hutchinson. 
Keep your eye on that. I don't know what's going to happen there. But when you compare other former defensive ends that were drafted number one overall, I don't think Aiden Hutchinson compares to them. And I go, all right, yeah, Miles Garrett was incredible, like amazing. Aiden Hutchinson is really good, reliable, good good leader, good dude. You can trust him. You depend on him. Is he the number one overall pick? Really? Maybe I'm crazy, but I, I go like, huh. We'll see what the Jaguars do. I think they probably do draft him just due to the pressure. And, you know, you, you can't – if there's a consensus guy and you don't pick him and he does really well, you look like a massive idiot. So maybe I can say it and they can't actually act it out. But I'm like, are they really going to draft Aiden Hutchinson number one overall? Seattle has a number nine overall pick. It's their first pick of a rebuild. What is Seattle going to do? Quarterback, build their football team, build their offensive line. I have no idea what Seattle's going to do. Sauce Gardner maybe. I don't know. Keep your eye on that. What's Seattle going to do number nine overall? The Lions have the number two overall pick. Are they going to draft a quarterback? Or are they going to build around the quarterback they already have, Jared Goff, who, by the way, they're paying a lot of money still currently. I want to see the Lions build around Jared Goff and draft an impact player, somebody who can make their football team better immediately, not a guy like Malik Willis who's going to sit on the bench and not play for a while. Carolina has the number six pick. Atlanta has the number eight pick. Both of them could go get a quarterback. I hope they don't. Uh, I want to see them draft a non-quarterback who can start for them right away. Both teams need a lot of players, and quarterback is an issue. Yeah, they need to deal with eventually, but right now, if you're both Atlanta and Carolina have bad rosters and need a lot of help everywhere, get a player who's a surefire starter next year for your football team. What receiver will the Green Bay Packers draft in the first round? I have no idea. Who's going to be available? I don't know. They have two first-round picks. I'm very excited about that. In fact, seven teams have two first-round picks in this year's NFL draft. A very weird, rare occurrence. You have the Lions with the number two and the number 32 overall pick. The Saints have the number 16 and number 19 overall pick. The Jets have a massive opportunity. The New York Jets have two top 10 picks, a number four overall pick and the number 10 overall pick. Houston, the number three pick and the number 13 overall pick. Philadelphia, number 15 overall and number 18 overall, two first-round picks. The Green Bay Packers, number 22 overall and number 28 overall. That, one of them better be a receiver for Green Bay or else I'm going to – I am going to just – I don't want to say I, – I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to be furious and, and incredulous and not understand what they're doing at all in Green Bay if they somehow don't draft a receiver in the first round this year. Kansas City has something pretty rare. They have back-to-back first-round picks. They got the number 29 overall pick and the number 30 overall pick. That's pretty weird and unique. Uh, we'll see if they trade them together and, you know, make a package. I, I don't know. I have no idea what Kansas City is going to do. Maybe they just draft two players back-to-back. That'd be really interesting. Will Baker Mayfield be traded during the draft is another question we need to ask. What's going to happen with him? Does anybody even want him? He's a lot more expensive than a rookie quarterback on, a, you know, a rookie dra- contract. We'll see what happens there. Where will Evan Neal go, the top left tackle? How about the top corner? How about the top corner, Sauce Gardner? Another guy who's really good at corner, Derek Stingley. I think the NFL views him as not as good as Sauce Gardner. He didn't you know he took some time off? He's coming back. Like we'll see what happens with him. Now there's a lot of receiver talent: Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Drake London, Traylon Burks, Jamison Williams, Jahan Dotson, George Pickens. How many receivers are going to get drafted in the first round? I wonder. And, and then in what order? It's very similar to the quarterback position where I'm like, I don't, I'm not sure how the NFL views these guys. They all have different skill sets. And um, I, I just, I'm very interested. Like, who's going to go where? I can't wait to find out. The receiver is going to be really interesting and really deep this year. I think the Jets, the Saints, the Packers, and Philadelphia, at least they're all in the receiver market, let alone other people who could make a move and go get a quarterback. So, Uh, What order will they get picked? These are all things I am very, very excited to see how they play out on draft night. Uh, You know, the draft is going to be incredible, and these are things I am looking forward to finding out during the NFL draft. Okay, drink some water real quick. We'll talk about the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns just gave corner Denzel Ward a five-year $100 million contract extension, $71.25 million fully guaranteed. I don't need to say the word fully there. That's it. Just $71.25 million guaranteed. A lot of money. He's 24 years old, uh, 25 on, I believe, April 28th. 
so he's almost 25. He's entering year five of his NFL career. He was drafted number four overall in 2018. He's been a tremendous, tremendous draft pick. He is now the highest paid corner in the NFL. Good for him. Well-deserved. Last year, by the way, covering Jamar Chase, uh, Denzel Ward had two targets and two interceptions. That's great. Uh, when he was covering Devontae Adams, he had three targets, only two catches for 50 yards. That's him covering the best receiver in the entire NFL, in my opinion. Uh, then covering Justin Jefferson, another great receiver. Two targets, only gave up one catch for 31 yards. Denzel Ward is a stud, deserves all the money he got. I'm excited for him. Now, the Cleveland Browns, after paying both Deshaun Watson and Denzel Ward, they have spent $340.5 million in guaranteed money this offseason. That is nearly $100 million more than any other team has spent in guaranteed money this offseason. Uh, I hope it leads to them winning more. They gave Deshaun Watson $230 million. They gave Denzel Ward $71 million guaranteed. All that's great, but I hope Cleveland gets back to— they won one year, they made the playoffs, they won a playoff game. Pretty much the only time in my lifetime Cleveland has been a good football team, and— uh Let's see if they can get back to winning again. I would like to see the Cleveland Browns do well and win. Uh, and maybe in spite of their quarterback, that's a weird situation there. Uh, you you win, you lose. I don't know. I, I'm really interested to see what Cleveland does, and uh, we'll see if all the money they're spending is going to pay off for them. Okay, uh, Rand receiver Cooper Cup gave a quote that I liked. I'm just going to straight up read what Adam Schefter put out there. Uh, Cooper Cup said he's excited to see the contract signed by other wide receivers this offseason because the market at receiver at the receiver position has been stale, quote-unquote. But when asked if he wants to top those deals, Cooper Cup said that's not important to him. He said, quote, I don't think that's really the kind of approach that I take. He said, quote, I definitely think there's a place you want to be. There's a place you feel like is fair, a place for me and for this organization. I'm not trying to beat anybody. I'm not trying to compare myself to anyone else. It's more just about being in a place that's just right for both sides, meaning he's willing to take a little less money if it's better for the L.A. Rams, and I like that. Uh, I would hope if I was in Cooper Cup's position, that would be my mindset as well. Hey, take care of me. Pay me well. I want to be well compensated for what I do. But I don't need to be the highest paid receiver. I don't need to play this game of like, me versus this guy versus that guy just one up him by half a million dollars or whatever. Like, don't need to do all that. I value quality of life. I want to be on a good football team. I want to be well compensated. You take care of me. I'll take care of you. Let's find a, a number that works for both you and for me. That's the kind of player I think I would be. And it's interesting and cool to kind of hear. I think that's the kind of player Cooper Cup is. That's what I've talked about for a long time. If you're happy, you like your organization, take a little less money to stay there with them long term. That's what... Uh, Stephon Diggs did as well. And so um, I, I liked hearing that quote from Cooper Cup. Rams receiver. He's awesome. Super Bowl MVP. Okay, drink some more water. My mouth is like so dry today. It's awful. By the way, I want to give a shout out to a friend of the show, Tom Grassi. Not only did Tom Grassi get a really, really big interview uh, interviewing the Packers CEO, Mark Murphy. Here's what I am excited about when I look at Tom Grassi. I keep seeing a video of him playing catch and playing receiver for the Packers backup quarterback, Kurt Benker. I know they make content together, and he's been on the show a couple times for Tom Grassi. It's one thing to interview a guy like that. It's another thing to catch passes from, think about this, Tom Grassi is catching passes from a backup quarterback, but a quarterback for his favorite football team in the world. That's like every fan's dream to play catch with a quarterback from your favorite football team. If you, I don't have a favorite team, so I can't really relate to that, but if you're, if you're a person out there who's got a favorite football team, my friend Robert's a fan of the Oakland Raiders, uh, I guess the Las Vegas Raiders now. Oakland, it's been years now. How am I still saying Oakland? Imagine him catching passes from Derek Carr or I, would have been Marcus Mariota last year, the backup quarterback. That's incredible and really, really cool and... Uh, very cool moment for Tom Grassi. Happy for him, and uh, well done to Tom. Okay, um, before we talk about the USFL opening weekend, I'm going to take a short break. My name is Zach Schaumler. I'm going to take a short break. I will be 
right back. All right, we are back. Hope we're doing very, very well. Let's now talk about the opening weekend of the USFL. Uh, I watched all four games, and I have a lot to say, I think. It's kind of weird to watch that much football to maybe only talk about it for 10 to 15 minutes, but uh, I missed football, and I've accepted that I just love watching football. Like, playoff basketball is happening, baseball's going on, and what did I do this weekend? I watched a lot of no-name football players play football with weird names and players I'd never heard of, weird team names, I mean, like, the Philadelphia Stars, the Pittsburgh Marauders, like, I, or maybe the Maulers, I think. I don't even know the name of the Pittsburgh football team. They're, they're purple, and their coach sucks. Like, I don't know. I have no idea, but I watched it, and it was fun. And uh, I'm a football guy. I enjoyed it. If you're a football person, you will probably also enjoy watching the USFL. If you're just there because you love, like, purely love football, you'll find what you're looking for. Now, I am very skeptical. I am not sure that it's going to last. Uh, Next year, we will have, in theory, two different spring football leagues, the XFL and also the USFL. Now, you got to know this about the USFL. It is owned by Fox Sports. Now, I do not want two leagues. One of them has to win, in my opinion. I don't want to have to deal with both. It's already hard enough to learn a bunch of new football teams like I just want to do one league, and I want one to win and be happy and get all the best talent. Um, in fact, and I got to say, I'm, I'm weirdly torn here because I really loved the XFL when it happened, but I also love Fox Sports. I used to work for them. Like, I, I loved working for them. They're a great company. Uh, they're clearly really trying hard. I think I'm still rooting for the XFL over the USFL, if I'm being honest. Um, now, it's very clear this is year one of something that's going to take a long time for it to eventually be financially successful and and get enough viewership to really sustain itself. Right now, if you're running a football league in the spring, it's an investment that over time could eventually make money and give you a return on your investment. Now, I have an open mind. I'm not sure yet. I'm not going to commit to watching every weekend. I'm not going to commit to covering every game. I have no idea. I'm very much kind of an open book, and we'll see how things go. I, I, I don't know. I don't really even want the USFL. I really want the XFL next year. Uh, now, the very best thing about the NFL is Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson and Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow, and I could go on and on. There's all these star quarterbacks in the NFL, and star quarterbacks are interesting to watch and fun to watch, and there are no real star quarterbacks in the USFL right now. Uh, in fact, in the XFL two years ago, there were better quarterbacks. You had P.J. Walker, you had Josh Johnson, you had Luis Prez, you had Jordan Ta'amu, and uh, I would say that right now the two best quarterbacks in the USFL are either Jordan Ta'amu or Luis Perez, but they were not, uh, the talent's taken a step backward in the USFL a little bit where a lot of these quarterbacks are bad. Like, just straight up, I'm like, ooh, I, I had to watch that Michigan football team play and uh, the Michigan Panthers. My gosh, we'll talk about that in a moment. Now, the whole league is taking place in Birmingham, Alabama. I didn't realize that when it, I started watching it, but I was, like, I was like on game number three, and I'm like, huh, every game has been in Birmingham. That's kind of weird. What's going on here? And then I realized, oh, the, the whole league is centralized there. Um and, I mean, it's a, I, I want to go to Birmingham, Alabama someday. It's a football town. They have the Senior Bowl there. Like, I want to get there because there's clearly a passion for, for football there, and I'm sure I'd get along with people there very, very well in Birmingham, Alabama. But it is sort of silly that the USFL gave teams names that were locked to geographic locations like the Pittsburgh Maulers, the Michigan Panthers. But these teams with their names, that's the only real geographic connection they have. They're not actually in Michigan. They're not actually in Pittsburgh. They're not actually in Houston. It's like, why why, did we do, why can't we just call them the gamblers till we figure out where they're going to play next year? Like, I don't know why. I don't know. I don't get it that much, but certainly it is way cheaper to have everyone in one spot, not have to pay for travel, uh, to have everyone in a centralized location. I think University of you know Birmingham is making a lot of money through all this with their medical staff and their their dorms and all kind of hotels and everything. So it's good for the city of Birmingham. 
it's weird they gave them team names that have geographic locations in them, even though, you know, the Michigan Panthers, I don't know if they've even ever been to Michigan. Like, I'm like, okay. Now, uh, the teams only got together three weeks ago. They had three weeks to prepare for week one of the USFL season. So I imagine that these teams are going to improve a lot as the year goes on. And by the end of the year, they'll be way more talented and way more cohesive than they were during week one. And I thought, all things considered, week one went pretty well. Now, unfortunately, there is not a crazy big talent gap between the best players and the worst players. What that means is that when you watch college football, uh, the star receiver at Alabama is way better than the corners guarding him, meaning that he's a star player. He's a home run hitter. He makes big plays. I think of guys like, I mean, look at... uh, Remember Charleston Rambo to Oklahoma, C.D. Lamb? Like, these are people that in college were dominating and shredding people. There isn't really anyone like that in the USFL because the talent is so even and you kind of level. And there's no Tyreek Hills of the world so far in the USFL, which is kind of disappointing, but it's just because the players are all about the same level of, of, of ability and that uh, while it makes for very, you know, even-leveled football, it doesn't actually make it for very interesting football because you're not going to have a lot of home runs and big plays. Um, now, I want to say, so again, I'll repeat this. Jordan Ta'amu with Tampa or Luis Perez with New Jersey, those are the two best quarterbacks in this league, in my opinion. Luis Perez is awesome. He is a guy who I liked in the XFL as well last uh, two years ago now. Luis Perez has a crazy story. He's a guy who did not play high school football, did not play high school football. Let me repeat that. How many guys are playing professional football that did not play high school football? Basically nobody. Then he walked on at a community college. Then he went to play Division II football. He won the Division II Heisman Trophy. Now he's a pro football player who's played in the NFL, the XFL with the Rams, uh, the XFL, and now uh, the New Jersey, uh, gosh, what, what's their team name? The Guardians or something? I have no idea. Now the best game I watched during opening weekend and my favorite game of the weekend was the Philadelphia Stars against the New Orleans Breakers. New Orleans won 23-17, but the Philadelphia offense was so much fun to watch. It was the way they were stretching the field sideline to sideline. A lot of shallow crossers underneath, taking advantage of spacing and just stealing a ton of yards on little shallow crossers. It was kind of like watching somebody play Madden. Had a bunch of flare outs with the running back. Um, their quarterback's pretty cool, too. He's, his name's Brian Scott. He's a guy who's played in the spring league in back-to-back years and once played division three football in Los Angeles. Now he's become a professional quarterback. That's a pretty unlikely journey to go from D three to professional football. Very cool. Very good for him. The worst game I watched during the USFL opening weekend was the Michigan Panthers and Houston gamblers. Michigan's two quarterbacks are awful. Their starting quarterback is Shea Patterson from Michigan. He's not very good. Their backup quarterback who did play a lot is Paxton Lynch and by the way, somehow, somehow, Paxton Lynch is still making John Elway look like an idiot for drafting him. Like, he's still, to this day, the more he plays football, the worse he makes John Elway look for making him a first-round pick. I, I don't know how Paxton Lynch has fallen this far, but Paxton Lynch, I'm not trying to pick on the guy. But he's a guy, he's a former first-round pick in the NFL who's now not even a starting quarterback in the USFL. He got, he's being started over by Shea Patterson. And when Paxton Lynch did play on Sunday, he was horrible. Inaccurate, bad timing, bad interception, a fumble. Terrible. I, I could not believe how bad. I think Paxton Lynch, by the way, was like the first overall pick in this, this league, this whole league. If nothing on name value alone, and he's terrible. He's like horrible at quarterback. I can't believe it. How bad, how bad Paxton Lynch is. I'm not trying to be mean. It's just a fact. You're like, I had high hopes. I was actually, when he got in the game, I was excited. I'm like, ah. And I'm not Madden. I play occasionally. I I, I play Madden instead of on my PlayStation 3. I play my Xbox, my Xbox One. And I play Madden 17 because I don't buy the new Madden. It's stupid to keep buying it for just a roster update. I make Paxton Lynch my quarterback because he's physically talented. He's really tall. In Madden, he's amazing. In real life, he's awful. And it's so disappointing. Houston won this game 17-12. to 12. Good for them. Um, 
By the way, Michigan has two Portland guys I grew up around. They got Cameron Scarlett, a stud running back from Central Catholic. He's awesome. Played at Oregon State. Then you got Chase Demora. He's a TikTok influencer. He also was on the reality show Too Hot to Handle. Kind of cool to see him. Two Portland guys from my hometown uh, on TV. I like seeing that. Uh, the opening game of the weekend on Saturday was the New Jersey Generals against the Birmingham Stallions. And uh, these are a lot of new team names to learn. I, I'm, I'm still like, I don't I don't know. I, I know the players' names a little bit more than I know the team names. I don't really care about the team names. I don't even know if this league's going to last more than a couple games. I really have no idea. Uh, Birmingham won this game 28-24. to My former college coach, Jay Losey, great guy. Love him forever. I will always have his back. Uh, he coaches for New Jersey. That's pretty cool to see. Uh, they have a two-quarterback system in New Jersey. Luis Perez is the quarterback who throws the football, apparently. And then DeAndre Johnson is their running quarterback. DeAndre Johnson was on Last Chance U. He's a really cool story. They're both very well. They seem to get along very well together. They're unselfish. It works for them. Uh, and finally, the final game was the Tampa Bay Bandits against the Pittsburgh Maulers. Tampa won easily 17-3. to They're coached by Todd Haley, former NFL coach who you know worked with all kinds of legendary quarterbacks and was a pretty good offensive coordinator in the NFL. Um, their quarterback is Jordan Ta'amu. He is, like I said, probably the best quarterback in this league. He's come a long way since college at Ole Miss where he keeps getting better and better. Every time I watch Jordan Ta'amu play football, I go, man, this guy is just improving and improving. And he, Remember, he worked with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City recently. And uh, Now... The Pittsburgh team in the USFL is a joke. They're the worst team in the league. They're horrible. Their offensive philosophy is boring and predictable and ineffective. They were literally running the ball every single play, like stubbornly, stupidly, just like we're not even going to try to throw the football. And at points, they were like, we're not even putting a receiver on the field. We're putting like oh, like 10 guys on the line of scrimmage just going to try to run the football. And power. It's like, what are you, I guess nine guys, quarterback, running back, and then nine guys on the line of scrimmage. What are you doing? I don't, I don't know what they're trying to like prove there. Running on every single play, like even on third and eight, I'm like, this isn't working. Like, what the hell are you doing? I don't get it. Uh, I'm really unimpressed with their head coach, Kirby Wilson. He comes across as, man, I, I don't, unprofessional is the word that comes to mind where like you're not coaching high school football, dude, what are you doing? He is, if I was on Kirby Wilson's football team, I would feel trapped and very, very frustrated. Like you can't quit. You can't be like the guy who quits your football team. Cause that's a bad look PR wise and it hurt your career. But I don't know that anybody's winning by being on his football team. Like you're, you're in a bad spot no matter what. It's a lose, lose. And Apparently, he cut a player for, you know, he asked for pizza instead of chicken salad, and somehow that was disrespectful, and then I watched the video of him cutting the player. There was no discussion. He refused to have a conversation with the player about what happened. He just cut him without talking to him. It was very bizarre. I, I worry that Kirby Wilson, the coach in Pittsburgh of this, you know, quote, Pittsburgh football, not actually in Pittsburgh, I worry he's going to lose the respect of his players by... You know, he's trying to be a tough guy, and he's forcing people to fall in line rather than trying to respect them and collaborate with them. These are grown men, and he's not treating them that way at all. And uh, it, it, by the way, it looks like Pittsburgh literally has freedom, freedom, meaning their one pass play they have actually installed. I mean, they have more than one, but they run the same pass play. Like, anytime they need anything, they run this play called freedom. It's a corner route and a flat route. That's it. That's it. Wow, so creative and amazing. And by the way, it doesn't really work. It's it's insanity. Um, really frustrating to watch the Pittsburgh Maulers play football. Far and away the worst team in the USFL, and it's because of bad leadership and bad coaching. And here are the best players I saw during the weekend. Uh, Channing Stribling plays for Philly. He's the best corner in the league. He had a really nice interception. I look at the defensive end. David Bellamy for New Orleans is the best defensive end of the league. He got three sacks on uh, Sunday, I believe. There's a few good receivers. Randy Satterfield for New Jersey is a stud. Osiris Mitchell, receiver for Birmingham, is really good. Uh, Lance Lenore, receiver for Michigan, is their go-to guy. He's a playmaker. Vinny Papali, by the way, uh, plays for Tampa. He's the son of Vince Papali, the, uh, the subject of the movie Invincible. Played for the Philadelphia Eagles a long time ago. 
cool to see Vinny Papali playing. I'm like, wow, holy crap, I know that name. Why do I know that name? I looked it up, I'm like, all right. And even though Pittsburgh hates receivers and throwing the football, uh, they got a good one, Bailey Gaither, who does a really good job. Uh, New Orleans has two good running backs, uh, TJ Logan and Jordan Ellis. So those are the players that stood out to me during week one. I don't know that I'm going to do that every week. But those are the guys early on. I'm like, hey, those are some good players going on and, and playing in the USFL right now. Look, spring football does matter. It's good for the development of the game of football to get more people playing and feeding into the NFL. And really, actually, the way it most helps the game of football as a whole is it helps develop offensive linemen because collectively, as college football is cutting back on how much you can practice, offensive linemen are getting worse as just as a collective unit throughout all of football. And so uh, having a league where they can develop offensive linemen a little bit more is actually, I think, the biggest win here for the game of football. The opening game had some embarrassing audio issues. I worked for Fox Sports doing audio. Actually, I was, I was cringing. I'm like, oh, what's happening here? I, I switched the channel on and off a couple times and eventually just came back. I'm like, okay, I guess it works now. I'm not sure exactly what happened there. I was glad to see Joel Klatt broadcasting. I love, love, love Joel Klatt. Um, I'm really not sure how much of the USFL I'm going to watch moving forward. They have to earn my viewership and they got to keep putting out a good product. And I, I'm not sure what to expect. I'm not even sure they're going to be around for very long. So I, I'm not going to give my loyalty and my heart and my energy to something that may or may not last. But if it does last, eventually I will cover it and be very into it. Uh, I'm just guarding my heart after the last couple of years of having leagues come and go constantly. Um, but if you love football and you miss football the way I do, I think you're going to really actually enjoy the USFL. And those are my thoughts on the opening weekend of the USFL. Okay, water first, then ask Zach. Let's go now to some questions from the audience. It is time for Ask Zach, my favorite part of the show. That's where I read questions from the audience. In case you do not know how it works, go to patreon.com forward slash Zach Shomler. You give a dollar a month. You can give more if you want to. Please do. It literally does help pay my rent. But a dollar a month gives you access to submit questions on the show or, or to the show on, on Patreon. Uh, if you submit a question on Patreon, I do not guarantee to read your question on the show. My only guarantee is I look at every single question with my eyeballs. I make the top couple to read on the show. A couple guys wrote in on Patreon with questions that were really thoughtful and intelligent that I'm going to save for uh, right before the NFL draft. They're ones that I want to take my time to think about, like deeper questions that are just going to take a lot of time to really think about an answer. Um, now, the first question today, though, I want to answer that we have four today to read. Thomas writes in and says... <laughs> tacos or pupusas? I don't know if anyone knows what a pupusa is. It's it's like a how do I explain it? It's like a it's like a type of bread with stuff inside it. Uh, I prefer tacos, but shout out to pupusas, they're super good as well. Mitchell writes in and says, "Hey Zach," and by the way, I I did pupusas horrible you know injustice there. I probably did not describe them very well at all. Mitchell writes in and says, "Hey Zach, Debo Samuel, Terry McLaurin, and AJ Brown are all seeking new contracts and willing to hold out." What do you think is the most – who do you think is the most deserving qualified one to get their rookie – before their rookie contract is over? I think Terry McLaurin, because of his consistent production with such poor quarterback play. The commander is also the most salary cap. Looking forward to uh, – how, how do I – okay. Look – let me back up. <laughs> I think Terry McLaurin is most deserving or qualified because of his consistent production with such quarterback play. Plus, the commanders also have the most salary cap looking forward compared to the other players' teams. So I don't know. I think they all deserve to get a pay raise. Um, I agree. Terry McLaurin has played with terrible quarterbacks, still been really high-level production. Um, but DK Metcalf was a second-round pick who has only made around $3 million total in the last three years. To beat DK Metcalf and only have made $3.4 million in your career so far and three years in is absurd. He deserves a payday. So does Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel is outperforming his contract by far. He's, the, he's a basically a starting running back and a starting receiver, getting paid nothing. All three of these guys should get paid. A.J. Brown, Debo Samuel, Terry McLaurin, D.K. Metcalf, all of them, they're very much outperforming their rookie contracts. If anything, I think A.J. Brown is the guy who least deserves the new payday. Um, but all, all of them, I think, should and hopefully will get paid Terry McLaurin should get paid. Debo Samuel and DK Metcalf, all those guys are very much outperforming their rookie contracts, and I hope they all get paid. 
Okay, Marvin writes in and says, what makes Formula One different from other racing like IndyCar? Um, Formula One cars are, are such a higher level of performance than IndyCar, but especially than like NASCAR or other types of cars. Uh, go look up, there's a video, uh, look up Formula One versus rally car versus stock car, something like that. They, they did a comparison where they, they sent off a normal car then they sent off a really good car like 30 seconds later. And then like a minute after both of those cars left, then an F1 car started his lap. And he caught up and passed all the cars in front of him. Like people don't realize how much faster and how much higher level of performance an F1 car is. Not only in straight lines, but the speed you can corner at, the G-forces, everything. Like it, it's just a higher level of racing. It's, 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 the, it's obscenely expensive. A lot of people make fun of me for liking Formula 1 because they're like, it's a billionaire's thing. I'm like, I get it, but... What I like about Formula One is it's the highest level of performance for a car on the planet, and uh, there's nothing like it. So I, that's why I like the, uh, the the Formula One. Final question today. I I didn't mean to power through these really quickly. I didn't want to do ones that we're, we're going to take like 50 minutes to answer. Those will be next episode. But final question, I guess. A bear writes in and says, "Are you going to cover the USFL at all?" The honest answer, Robert, is I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I liked watching the USFL during opening weekend. I watched so much football and made like 15 minutes worth of content about it, which is not a very good use of my time. Uh, I probably should have been working on film analysis, actually. But I, I, I had a good. I, I enjoyed it. So I, I, I don't know. I think I'm just going to organically see what happens, and uh, I probably won't cover week two very much because I'm going to be out of town with my dad. But. Um, Certainly, it's I, I'm interested and I have an open mind here. So I don't I I, I don't know how to answer that. Am I going to cover the USFL very much? I don't know. Probably not that much, but they certainly have my attention, and we'll see how things go. So I, I'm rooting for them. I want them to do well. I want the XFL to do better. I also want you know the XFL is going to pay their players a little better and have better medical. So I I kind of want the XFL to win, if nothing else, for that reason. Um, but we'll see. I mean, there there's clearly a lot of people with money who believe that spring football can work and be interesting. And I, I tend to agree. I just think that collectively any audience now is so untrusting because the AAF failed, the XFL went away after a couple of games because due to the Rona, but still like that really hurt people's trust. Um, I think just what's going to take the longest amount of time here is gaining people's trust that it's going to be a thing that is actually going to last and worth emotionally caring about. So um, I don't know. I, I, I guess, yeah, the answer is I'm going to watch the USFL, but tentatively and very, very cautiously. Guys, that's all I have. I love you. I really appreciate you, honestly. Um, I, I hope you enjoyed what I had to say about the quarterbacks. That's, that's basically the summary of all the film analysis I've been working on. I, I watched all the film, but to, to watch it, then write a script, then edit it together, it's still probably like 40 more hours of work ahead to be honest. So I'm not ready yet to do film analysis. I'm also leaving town. So I'm just going to say we'll do it after after the NFL draft. I think it'll be better anyway because I can really add more context and talk about where they're going and who they're going to play with and stuff like that. So I'm excited about that. Guys, I love you. I appreciate you. I hope you have a great day. And uh, bam, we are done.